Good morning. As Josh mentioned, we've been looking at the at five great biblical truths known as the five solas. And each of those five points is a truth that is critical to the proper understanding of the gospel. These five points became an area of controversy 500 years ago uh, during the Protestant Reformation and led to the split of the Roman Catholic Church and the Protestant churches. And today we will look at the fourth point called Solus Christus. And as you might have guessed, this is a Latin phrase and it means Christ alone. So there's a pattern there. The Roman Catholic Church taught and still teaches that in various ways, the institutional church functions along with Jesus as a mediator between God and human beings. A mediator is somebody who comes in between two separated parties to bring them together. And so the Catholic Church teaches that the grace of salvation comes from Christ through the church to believers. The reformers like Martin Luther and others, however, insisted that the Bible taught that salvation came directly from and through Jesus Christ alone. They insisted that the Bible taught that Jesus was the only mediator of salvation and that salvation was in Christ alone, solus Christus. So our goal this morning is to look at how Jesus functions as our mediator and why salvation through Christ alone is so important to understand. And we want to do this in support of our main point, which is that salvation is found in Christ alone. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1. <clears throat> Long ago, at many times and many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The entire Bible points us to Jesus. Every chapter adds to and deepens the majesty of who Jesus is and what he's done. So there's no way in a single sermon or a lifetime of sermons to fully communicate the riches of Christ. But we already have in these three verses several truths that point us to why salvation is in Christ alone. Since all people sinned, we are separated from God and can no longer come to him without judgment. We need someone to come in between us to reconcile us to God before we can have fellowship with him. We need a mediator. In the Old Testament, <clears throat> there were three mediatorial offices, three offices of mediator that stood between God and his people. 
they were the prophet, priest, and king. And all three were pictures pointing forward to Jesus who alone fulfilled them perfectly. Prophets speak on behalf of God to the people. They proclaim God's word. They reveal who God is and what he expects. They call his people to repentance and covenant faithfulness. Priests, on the other hand, represent the people before God. They bring sacrifices on behalf of the people to, to God to make atonement and to purify the people. And kings were God's appointed rulers who governed, provided for, and defended the people according to God's law. Notice that in our text, Jesus fulfills the office of prophet. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son. God used to speak through a series of prophets, but now he's revealed himself in Jesus. It says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. Whoever sees Christ sees the Father. There's nothing to add. Jesus Christ is the perfect and final revelation. The Apostle John in 1 John 2.23 says it this way, No one who denies the Son has the Father. Whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. And the Apostle Paul in Colossians 1.19 says this, For in him, that is Christ, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Jesus is a prophetic mediator. And the reformers saw that the religious leaders were not agents of revelation who speak for God, except to the extent that they proclaim what God has already revealed in Christ and in his word. The church has no authority to proclaim anything other than that which was once for all delivered to her. When you come here on Sunday to hear preaching, or you seek counsel from our elders and pastors, please understand, we have no wisdom or authority to give you other than to offer you Christ. <clears throat> we humbly and prayerfully do our best to use our imperfect gifts such as they are and whatever talents God has blessed us with, to point you to Christ through his word. We speak with authority only when we speak his word. The, the prophetic ministry of the church then is, is like the light of the moon on a dark night. It's a great help. We can see a lot of things through it and avoid many troubles by it. 
but it's just a reflection of the light of the sun. The moon has no light of its own, and the church has no revelation of its own. The wisdom of the most gifted pastor, when compared to the word of Christ, is like the difference between midnight and noon. Notice also that Jesus is a priest. After making purification, that's what priests do, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. <clears throat> In the Jewish temple, day after day for generations, there was an unending stream of blood flowing from the altar because of sin. There was an endless cycle of people bringing offerings to be sacrificed on the altar to purify them. Every day, every week, and every month and year, the cycle continued unbroken as the priest sacrificed over and over on behalf of the people. Jesus, however, offered the perfect sacrifice by offering himself. And then do you see what it says? After making purification, he sat down. The work was finished. It was accomplished. It was done. Hebrews 10, 11 through 14 explains it this way. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemies should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Believers are made acceptable by one perfect sacrifice for all time. When we come together on Sunday, we do not celebrate a Mass. A Mass requires a sacrifice. Our ministers do not participate in a sacrifice. Instead, we proclaim the once-for-all sufficient sacrifice of Jesus Christ, whose benefits we can receive through faith. This is why in our church there is a pulpit rather than an altar at the front of the room. Our pastors are not priests. We do not purify or make atonement. What we do is point sinners to the one who does. Jesus Christ. The only priesthood that church leaders have is that which is shared by all believers who through faith have direct access to God. So the only sacrifice we make is the sacrifice of our lives to Christ through faith. When Jesus died, the veil of the temple separating the common people from the holy place was torn in two. And through him, all believers now have access directly 
to the presence of God. Notice also where Christ is seated in our text. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And we also see that it says he has been appointed the heir of all things. These are brief, very brief references, but they point to Jesus' role as a king. And we know that Jesus is Lord of lords and King of kings. He has all authority in heaven and on earth and everything is placed under him. But often we don't think about why his role as king is so important to his work as mediator and savior. But remember, kings not only governed, which Jesus does do that, but also provided for and defended their people. Think about that. Jesus has provided everything needed for salvation. In Christ, we are strengthened by the bread of life and satisfied by streams of living water. He is life and light, and in him are rest and peace. He's given us everything we need. Paul says in Ephesians 1 verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing. Christ is our King, and He provides everything we need. But King Jesus also defends us and protects us. It's Jesus who has defeated our enemies. He has overcome the world and shattered the power of sin, the devil, and the flesh. Look at how Luke explains what the coming of Jesus meant for his people in Luke 1, 68-71. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. This is a king reference. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all those who hate us. We also see Jesus is a warrior king in Ephesians 4, 8, where we're told, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Jesus has plundered the strongholds of powerful spiritual rulers, freeing us from slavery and oppression. He's conquered all of our enemies and invites us to come to him for salvation. Brothers and sisters, the church has no royal power or majesty of her own. It's true that we are made heirs of the kingdom, but it's only by the grace of God that we are adopted in Christ. I pray let our testimony be not to our own glory, but be like what the Apostle Paul said when he spoke to the church at Corinth in 1 Corinthians 2, 3 through 5. Paul says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. 
and my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Listen, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Jesus Christ has perfectly executed the threefold office of mediator. He is the perfect prophet. He is the perfect priest. And he is the perfect king. And, but there's something else I want you to notice as well uh, in our main passage that makes Jesus utterly unique as any potential mediator between humans and God. Look at what the author of Hebrews is claiming about Jesus. He is absolutely superior in every way to every other mediator, even angels, because Jesus Christ is God. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down the right hand of the majesty on high. What a savior we have. Jesus is fully human and fully God, which makes him uniquely and alone qualified to be mediator and savior. In Christ, God and humanity are perfectly reconciled. So the Savior had to be a human being who was without sin. And he is fully human. John 1.14 tells us, The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And Hebrews 2.14 says, Since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of these same things. He's human. He's one of us. But he's alone without sin. All others have sinned, but 1 Peter 2.22 says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. And Hebrews 4.15 says that he was one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So we can already see that Jesus is the only man who could ever represent us or be a representative of us for salvation. But there's more. It wasn't enough for the Savior to be a perfect man. You see, he also had to be able to take upon himself, upon himself the sins of his people and satisfy God's just wrath against sin. Only a divine person could do that. Only a being of infinite worth and infinite life could pay that price. Salvation had to come through one who was both fully human so he could represent us and fully God so he could pay the price. Jesus alone, Christ alone fits that description. He is utterly unique in being able to pay the penalty of sin while in the flesh. 
Christ alone is the only person in all of history who could do what he did. He's the only begotten Son of the Father. And as Luke writes in Acts 4.12, There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Christ alone. Now, listen, I understand that to modern ears, this sounds narrow. It may even sound arrogant to say there's only one way to salvation. After all, there are thousands of religions and philosophies trying to help humans climb up to God for salvation. But brothers and sisters, Jesus is the only example of God coming down to us to bring salvation. And it is more arrogant to reject God's grace and refuse to accept the truth. So whether we like it or not, truth has a way of being narrow. I mean, listen, if you want to breathe, you've got one option, oxygen. <laughs> when you go to the doctor, you need the precise treatment that's going to help you. Anything else is useless or dangerous. Physics, mathematics, logic, every other pursuit of the truth turns out in the end to be surprisingly narrow. The truth of salvation is there's one way. Salvation comes through Jesus Christ and Him alone. I should point out that the Roman church never has denied the exclusivity of Jesus. It is, however, what they added that was the problem. Like the other four solas, it's the word alone that becomes uh, controversial and the point of disagreement. <clears throat> the Roman Catholic Catechism of 1993, not 1593, 1993 says, no creature could ever be counted along with the incarnate word and redeemer. We agree with that. But the unique mediation of the redeemer does not exclude, but rather gives rise to a manifold co cooperation, which is but a sharing in this one source. It goes on a bit later to say more clearly, in the forgiveness of sins, both priests and sacraments are instruments which our Lord Jesus Christ, the only author and liberal giver of salvation, wills to use in order to efface our sins and give us the grace of justification. Priests and sacraments give us the grace of justification. So rather than solus Christus, the Roman Catholic Church teaches totus Christus, which is another Latin phrase, which means the total Christ. Totus Christus teaches that the connection between Jesus and the institutional church is so complete that it results in one mysterious body. So they believe that Christ in the church and the church in Christ together comprise the total Christ. Therefore, the Catholic Church as an institution also fulfills the offices of prophet, priest, and king. They believe that the church mediates as a prophet, giving the world the revelation of God and even the Bible itself, what they teach. 
They believe that the priests of the church participate in the sacrifice of Christ through the Mass, where it is believed that the bread and wine are actually transformed into the body and blood of Jesus Christ offered in sacrifice. They believe that the saints, and especially the Virgin Mary, are able to intercede alongside Jesus as mediators of salvation, and that the Pope is a king that has the full authority of Christ on earth to rule the church. By adding the hierarchy of the church to what Christ has done as our mediator, the, they, they do distort the gospel. It is true that the church is the body of Christ and that Christ works through his church. But in the New Testament, the word church refers to all of those who have been united to Christ by faith. And the distinction between Christ as the head and the church as the body is never uh, confused. It is not the church but God the Holy Spirit that Christ himself sends that applies the benefits of Jesus Christ to believers. Rome teaches, for example, that Mary is a type of the church and is a mediatrix, a co-mediator with Jesus. And so there are prayers to Mary and hymns to Mary, and it's thought that the best way to approach Jesus is through Mary because of her special relationship with him. But what do we see in the scripture? When praising God for his blessing upon her, Mary herself says in Luke 1, 46 and 47, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Far from relying on any special relationship that she has with Jesus, Mary acknowledges her own need of salvation and gives all glory to God. The Mary of the Bible is a much better example for us than the Mary of tradition. Christ is not a reluctant Savior that needs to be persuaded to show mercy. From beginning to end, our salvation is an act of love to the glory of God. In love, the Father initiates, the Son accomplishes, and the Holy Spirit applies salvation. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things, Paul says in Romans 8.32. If we add anything to the work of Christ in salvation, we deny the sufficiency of what he did and rob him of glory that he alone deserves. It is to say that the cross is not enough. It's to say that God needs the help of the very sinners he came to save. This is not the picture that the Bible gives us. Brothers and sisters, no sinner is going to love us more than Jesus Christ. And no person can add to what has already been perfectly and completely accomplished by Jesus. The Bible says that all we must do to receive the benefits of the cross is to believe. 
Through faith we receive the fullness of Christ and everything he offers. We need no other mediator. We can go directly to him. Hear what the word of the Lord says. Acts 16, 30 and 31. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. John 5.24 Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes in him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. It is Christ that is offered in the preaching of the gospel. And if we receive him, we need nothing else. Salvation is in Christ alone. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. In him we are restored to fellowship with God and have no need then for any other mediator. In Christ we can come confidently before him to receive mercy because he loves us and gave himself for us. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16 says this, since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What about you this morning? Where have you placed your hope for salvation? Listen carefully, brothers and sisters. The church cannot forgive your sin. Our pastors cannot release you from your guilt. There is no saint who has any merit to offer you other than which they receive from the same hand which freely offers it to you. Our works add nothing to what Christ has done. Our goodness and our service are the fruit rather than the root of our acceptance by God. Salvation is found in Christ alone. You know, these five solas were developed in distinction to Roman Catholic theology. But the instinct to try and add to the finished work of Christ is found in every denomination. And I would even argue in every heart. Don't assume that just because you're not a Catholic, you don't need to hear and understand this message. So it is so easy to subtly shift our confidence from being on Jesus alone to Jesus plus something else. Spiritual gifts, our Bible study, our devotional routines, church attendance, our serving, our giving, whatever. Except there's, the list is endless. 
The reality is that anything that takes our attention off of Christ as Savior is dangerous. Our only hope is found in Christ and Christ alone. As Paul says in 1 Timothy 2.5, very clearly and succinctly, For there is one God, and there is one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. We've all sinned, and rather than worship and serve God as we should have, we've chosen to serve ourselves. We rejected God, and because of that, we were cut off from fellowship with Him, and we deserve His judgment. We deserve it. And there's nothing we can do to ever erase that sin. There's nothing we can do to fix that. But God is merciful. He's not reluctant to offer forgiveness. But He is holy. And our sins have to be dealt with. So He sent His Son Jesus, who lived the holy life we were supposed to live, and then offered His own death in our place. He satisfied the justice of God so that we would not have to. Then three days later, He rose again from the dead and ascended into heaven, where He's seated at the right hand of the Father and makes intercession for us as the perfect prophet, priest, and king. Jesus has paid the price. He's paid it all. And God stands ready to forgive this morning. All we need to do is trust Him, put our faith in Him. And so if you have not already trusted Christ for your salvation this morning, if you're thinking that there are other things that are helping you get restored to a relationship with God, I urge you right now to put your faith and trust in Christ and Christ alone to save you. In Christ, you'll find all that you need. He is sufficient. Hebrews 7.25 says, He is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives to make intercession for them. I want to finish this morning with the beautiful words of the Belgic Confession written in 1561. This is one of the early Reformed confessions of faith, which was written while people were still giving their lives so that the truths you heard this morning could be preached. Here's what it says in Article 26. <clears throat> this mediator, whom the Father has appointed between himself and us, speaking of Christ, ought not terrify us by his greatness so that we have to look for another one according to our preference. For neither in heaven nor among creatures on earth is there anyone who loves us more than Jesus Christ does. Although he was in the form of God, Christ nevertheless emptied himself, taking human form and the form of a slave for us. And he made himself like his brothers and sisters in every respect. Suppose we had to find another intercessor. Who would love us more than he who gave his life for us, even though we were his enemies? 
And suppose we had to find one who has prestige and power. Who has as much of these as he who is seated at the right hand of the Father and who has all authority in heaven and on earth? And who will be heard more readily than God's own dearly beloved Son? Amen. Jesus Christ is not only the only Savior, but praise God, He's the only Savior we need. Amen.